Welcome to another week of Beside the Burn for Monday the 16th of November 2020. On Sunday we were thinking about how we can treasure Jesus Christ and uh, during the service uh, we sang a couple of hymns and I mentioned those in the message and it got me thinking that perhaps there were other hymns and songs that we could look at this week that would help us in our understanding of Jesus and would help us treasure him that little bit more. So today we're going to begin on Monday with And Can It Be? And we're just going to look through the verses of And Can It Be and look at a couple of Bible verses that relate to the message that we're singing about. So let's dive straight into this wonderful hymn by Charles Wesley. And uh, this hymn uh, was written about uh, 1738 uh, by Charles Wesley. And uh, we begin with verse 1. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me, it's a wonderful opening verse where we're asking this incredible question: Is this really true? How is it possible that we should benefit from the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect Holy One, who has come to this earth and who dies, sheds His blood for us, the very ones who who caused His pain, who. Uh, sent him to die because of our sin. And yet, somehow, we are saved through Jesus' blood. Somehow, we gain this interest in his blood. And that is incredible. It's, as Charles says, amazing love. And how can this possibly be that God would love us so much? Go on to the second verse. It's a, a total mystery to us that all of this could happen. But it's also a mystery that the immortal dies. This is, I think, one of the most incredible parts of the whole story of Jesus, that Jesus dies. We have this, uh, I suppose we, we often think about the resurrection as being the most incredible part. But if we take it that Jesus Christ is God, that he is the Son of God, then I think it's not really as remarkable that Jesus rises from the dead because he's God, he can do that. The remarkable thing is that he dies because he is God. How can God die? How can the immortal die? It doesn't make sense. It's a strange design of salvation that this is what happens. And yet... The Son of God dies for us. So treasure him because he goes through death. He plums, he dives into the very depths of death so that we can be forgiven. And that is the most incredible part of the whole story. Moving on to verse 3. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. Emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. His mystery all, immense and free. For, oh my God, it found out me. Now, this is a verse that has caused a bit of controversy over the years because of this little phrase, emptied himself 
of all but love. And many have tried to, to argue that in this line, this all means that he emptied himself of uh, the very divine nature. But that's not what Wesley is trying to get through here. He's saying that he has emptied himself of everything so that he could come uh, through his love uh, to us by still remaining uh, God and divine. If we look at Philippians 2 verse 7, we get where this verse is coming from. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. That's emptying himself of everything. Made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So again, treasure Jesus because he made himself nothing. Even though he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, he comes and he makes himself nothing so that he is in a position to die for us and take away our sins. In verse 4, we've got this uh, allusion to uh, Peter being in prison and the angel coming and setting him free from his chains. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. And Charles Wesley is taking this idea of, of uh, Peter being in the prison uh, for his faith and lightening that to the idea of us being imprisoned for our sin and then God coming along and setting us free through what Jesus has done. So treasure the fact that Jesus has set us free. Here are the verses in Acts chapter 12. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. What a wonderful saviour we have to treasure, that he can come and set us free from the bondage of sin, that he can loosen our chains, that he can light up the dungeon that we've been living in and grant us new life with him. And then as we move on to verse four or verse five, sorry, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Here we have two areas that we're going to look at from two verses. No condemnation that we now dread because Jesus set us free, and then boldly approaching the eternal throne. And in these two areas, uh, we see uh, God at work in our lives. Look at Romans 8 verses 1, to tw- 1 and 2. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. If we continue to live the old way, relying on ourselves, then we are condemned because we are living in sin and death. But Jesus has come along and set us free. So we are to treasure Jesus and what he has done for us. He has set us free and now we're no longer condemned. 
We're set free to live for him, to live a new life in the spirit, trusting in Jesus Christ. And then in Hebrews 4, verse 16, we're told, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's the boldness. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's the crown of life that Wesley's speaking about, that we would receive this mercy and grace. We don't come worried that we might not receive it. We don't come asking God, oh, if it were just possible, please, please, please. We come with this boldness and confidence because Jesus has promised us that if we just simply trust in him, then he will grant us the crown of life and he will grant us grace and mercy as well. So today we treasure Jesus Christ, we treasure what he has given to us and we trust him. So let's bow before him today and marvel at the treasure we have in Jesus. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, we treasure you today. We just cannot take it in, Lord, that here we are benefiting from your death, benefiting from the blood of God Almighty shed on this earth. How is that possible? And yet, Lord, it is. How is it even possible that the immortal divine God should die? And yet you do die taking our sin upon yourself, paying the punishment for sin that you never committed and then rising again with victory. And so, Lord, today we trust you and we praise you. We thank you that there is no condemnation now for us as we follow you. And so, Lord, we treasure you and we ask that you would help us today to remember these truths and treasure you all the more. So, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today then, let's listen to this hymn and let's treasure Jesus as we hear these words again. Welcome to Beside the Burn for Tuesday, the 17th of November. We're continuing on our theme from Sunday of treasuring Jesus. And this week, we're looking at a few songs and hymns that help us see Jesus for who he is so that we might treasure him more and appreciate who he is more. And yesterday we were looking at And Can It Be. Uh, today we're going to look at a very modern hymn, uh, one that I don't think we've ever sung in Burnside, but it's one that I, I've heard and I really appreciate the, the meaning uh, behind this hymn. So you can listen to it uh, down below uh, this video. And then also there's another video uh, which gives you a little bit of background to the song as well. And the song is What a Beautiful Name. So let's delve in and let's begin uh, with uh, part of the chorus that describes the beautiful name of Jesus so that as we see his beautiful name, as we appreciate his name, we begin to treasure Jesus more. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. In this world, that we are living in the name of Jesus so often 
is used as a swear word. It is used flippantly. It flies off people's tongues with ease and with no thought of who it is that is being spoken about. And yet the name of Jesus is so beautiful. Beautiful name that we would hear it, that we would understand what Jesus stands for and what he has done for us. And so we treasure him and hold on to him. In the first verse of this hymn, we're singing, You're the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you are Christ. And of course, this verse takes us to the story in John chapter 1, where John is describing Jesus coming into this world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we're reminded that Jesus, who has this beautiful name that we're thinking about, is to be treasured above all things because he he was there in the beginning when God created the world. The Word was there, Jesus Christ, the Word, the living Word of God. Through him all things were created. Nothing was created without him. And now Jesus sustains all things and keeps all things going. In Colossians 1 and verse 26, we read, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the saints. This mystery is Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation through a Messiah. And for many years, it wasn't understood how God was going to achieve uh, the forgiveness of sins and salvation through his chosen one. And yet when Jesus comes, this mystery is revealed to us and we see who he is. Later on in John chapter 1, we begin to see that the glory of God that Jesus brings, this beautiful name, displays God's glory. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what makes Jesus' name beautiful, the grace and the truth that he brings from the Father, that he is the one and only. And whenever we see the glory of Jesus, we see the glory of the Father as well. And so the beautiful name of Jesus leads us into all these things that we might treasure about him. Then as we see the second verse of this hymn, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was greater. Your love was greater. What could separate us now? Now, there is a a little bit of of controversy about this particular first line. You didn't want heaven without us. It's not that God needed us to make heaven complete. But God has a desire that none should perish, that all should be saved. And so if we read John 17 and verse 24, when Jesus is praying his great high priestly prayer before he goes to the cross, he prays, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me 
before the creation of the world. And so Jesus wants us to be with him in heaven. And he wants us, he desires us to be saved. Glenn Packham, uh, who is a songwriter, has said, Heaven, God's space, and earth, human space, were one. But sin fractured the union of heaven and earth. The beauty of the gospel is that God's solution was not to come down from heaven to airlift us out of earth, but rather to bring heaven down to earth in such a way that it would renew everything. If you think back to whenever we were looking at Revelation 21, we had this idea of the new heaven and the new earth. And uh, Glenn Packham there explains how sin has fractured that union of earth and heaven. And God's plan is to bring it back again, the new heaven and the new earth, as we dwell on earth in God's presence, which is therefore heaven. And of course, we're reminded of the great plan of salvation in John 3 and 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This plan of salvation that Jesus brings is the most intricate plan that we can imagine, that God loves us so much that he gives Jesus. Remember on Sunday we were thinking about how Jesus dies for us and how we need to treasure that, that Jesus would would dive to the very depths of death so that we could be forgiven. And in Romans 5 verse 8, which we mentioned on Sunday, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we cannot overemphasize that enough in our lives. While we were still sinners, while there was nothing attractive in us in any way, shape or form, Christ died died for us. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life. This is victory that we sing of in this song. Because death could not hold Jesus. The veil was torn in two. And we read that in Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. This is a momentous occasion. And as that curtain is torn, the way is opened up into the Holy of Holies, that special place where God dwells. And now we have access to God and we can dwell with him. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. We've got the illusion here of the Lord's Prayer, but we're coming back to God's or to Jesus' name and how that name is above every name.
So let's bow before Jesus Christ now and let's treasure him as we pray. Let's give thanks for his beautiful name and let us worship him together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your name is beautiful, that your name means salvation and that you have come to save us sinners. And Lord, we cannot think too highly of you. We cannot worship you too much because you have given yourself. You have gone to death on a cross so that we might live. And so, Lord, we treasure you today and we trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Beside the Burn for Wednesday the 18th of November and today we're continuing our theme of treasuring Jesus, finding out just how special Jesus Christ is and we're doing that this week by looking at a series of different hymns and spiritual songs uh, to guide us in our thoughts, taking the the ideas of the hymn writer uh, and delving a little deeper into them just to remind us how wonderful Jesus is. And today we're doing that by looking at this great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Whenever I'm uh, taking a service in a care home and sometimes you'd ask, you know, what's your favourite hymn? What would you like to sing today? And nearly every time this is the hymn that people ask for because it's so special. It means a lot to people. It speaks deep into the soul. And today on our blog being Wednesday, our theme is prayer. And here we're reminded in verse after verse about praying to God and coming to God in prayer. So I suppose the Bible verse that we want to think about today and have in mind as we look at the hymn is Philippians 4 verse 6. Because there we read, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And in this hymn, we're coming to Jesus who is receiving our prayers and is interceding on our behalf in heaven. So just before we look at the hymn, I want to read a little section uh, which gives a bit of background to how the hymn was written. It was written by the Irish-born Joseph Scriven. Uh, He was born in 1819 and whenever he was 25 years old, he was about to be married. But the day before his wedding, his fiancée died in a tragic drowning accident. Heartbroken, Joseph sailed from Ireland uh, to his home, from his homeland to start a new life in Canada. And while in Canada, working as a teacher, he fell in love again and he became engaged to Eliza. Uh, he, Eliza was a relative of one of his students and once again, Joseph's hopes and dreams were shattered when Eliza became ill and died before the wedding could take place. Although we can only imagine the turmoil within this young man, history tells us that his faith in God sustained him. Soon after Eliza's death, Joseph joined the Plymouth Brethren and began preaching for a Baptist church. He never married, but spent the remainder of his life giving all of his time and his money and even the clothes of his back to help those less fortunate and to spread the love and the compassion of Jesus wherever he went. 
Around the same time that Eliza died, Joseph received word from Ireland that his mother was ill and he wasn't able to go to be with her, so he wrote a letter of comfort and he enclosed one of his poems, a poem entitled, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It was many years later, uh, whenever a friend was sitting with Joseph as he was very ill, and during the visit, the friend was impressed whenever he came across the poems that Joseph had written, including What a Friend We Have in Jesus. As a result of the visit, almost 30 years after his letter of comfort to his mother, Joseph's poems were published in a book called Hymns and Other Verses. And soon after, music was written by Charles Converse and put to the words of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So what a hymn we have today reminding us how wonderful Jesus is, reminding us that Jesus is our friend. And perhaps friend isn't the word that we think of most whenever we talk about Jesus. We might talk about him being our King and our Lord and our Saviour and our Redeemer. But he is also a friend, a close friend, a friend who knows everything about us, a friend who comes alongside and sticks close to us. To have a friend is the most special thing. To have that close friendship, to have someone who knows everything about us and yet still loves us and cares for us. And that is who Jesus is. But Jesus, the relationship that we have with him goes much deeper than any earthly friend. Because not only can we talk to Jesus in prayer, as we'll see time and time again in this hymn, but also we come to Jesus for our deepest needs, all our sins and griefs. Jesus is able to bear them. He is able to take these deep things from us and he is able to carry them for us. So what a privilege it is to take everything that we have, not just the difficult things, not just the big things, but everything to God in prayer. And as Joseph reminds us in the second half of this first verse, often we don't have the peace that we should have. Often we experience needless pain because we will not carry everything to God in prayer. Sometimes we hold on to things, but Jesus is there as the friend who will take them from us. Sometimes we want to deal with things ourselves and to persevere through, but Jesus is there to lift those burdens and to help us. And that leads us on to verse 2, where we're told, have we trials and temptations? Well, of course we do. That's what life is about. Everyone faces trials. Everyone has temptations. Everyone faces trouble at some stage in life. But those are the things that should discourage us. But Joseph says we should never be discouraged by them. How come these three things should never discourage us? Well, the reason, again, is simple. And it's almost too simple that we miss it at times. We take these things to the Lord in prayer. And that is our friend who will listen. And Joseph asks the question, well, you know, can we find a friend like this anywhere else? Can we find a friend who is faithful anywhere else? 
No. Can we find someone who will share all our sorrows? No. Because Jesus knows our every weakness. He knows every little detail about us. He knows how we have failed. He knows the problems that we have. And yet he still loves us. So we can take everything to him in prayer. What a wonderful saviour we have, that we should treasure Jesus. And what a wonderful gift of prayer, that we should treasure prayer. And then in the third and final verse, are we weak and heavy laden? Well, of course we are. We try to cope with life. We try to get through this world, but often we find ourselves too weak to be able to carry on. So often we are too heavy burdened. There are many things that burden us in life. The worries that we have, the difficulties that we face, the disappointments that others have brought our way. There are lots of things that we care about and these things cumber us and weigh us down. But look at this. The Jesus that we treasure, he is a precious saviour. And he is still our refuge. He is the safe place for us to be. We go to Jesus and we are protected. We're cared for. We're looked after. So go to Jesus. Take things to him in prayer. Do not forget about prayer because it is such a simple idea. We simply talk and God hears us. We don't have to go somewhere special. We don't have to make an appointment. We don't have to draw up our list before we go. We simply pray and Jesus hears us. And here's the real special thing. Jesus is a friend, but he is much better than any earthly friend. Do your friends despise us and forsake us? Sometimes that happens and it can be very hurtful when it does. Well, go to the Lord in prayer. Because he'll take us in his arms and he'll shield us. He'll he'll protect us. He's our refuge and our shield. And we will find solace there. Contentment and peace. To know that Jesus is with us and he cares for us and he looks after us. So let's bow before him in prayer together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you are our friend. As well as all the other things, the great King and Lord and Creator and all those other things, Redeemer and Saviour. But Lord, we thank you that you are our friend. And as a friend, you listen to us when we call out to you. So as we come to you in prayer, you hear us and you release us from our burdens. Lord Jesus, we treasure you today because of that. We thank you that you have taken our sin and you have opened up this way for us to come into your presence and to offer you worship, worship that you enjoy and worship that you like. So Lord, be with us today. Help us as we pray to treasure the gift of prayer. But most of all, Lord, may we treasure you. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Welcome to Beside the Burn for Thursday the 19th of November. You join us today as we continue our theme of how we can treasure Jesus. And all week we've been looking at a number of different hymns and spiritual songs which present to us the wonder and the beauty of Jesus Christ and remind us why he is such a treasure to us. Today we're going to look at Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean. And we're going to look at two verses from this hymn and then a couple of verses from Scripture. And this whole hymn is looking at this theme of love and how much Jesus loves us and what that love actually looks like. So let's look at verse 1 of the hymn together. Here is love. And there is that love. And as you can see down through this hymn, uh, we're talking about what this love of Jesus actually looks like. First of all, it is vast as the ocean. And then the loving kindness of Jesus is like the flood. And then the Prince of Life, who is Jesus, um, he is our ransom. He shed his precious blood. So here we have Jesus and we're showing what love is, not a sentimental love, not a love where we go around just being nice to everyone, but this is love that actually costs. And this love that has cost Jesus so much is actually a love that is vast and can cover the whole earth. It is like an ocean. It's like a flood that comes. And whenever the flood water comes, you cannot stop it. It comes raging through everything and its path is consumed by the water. And so it is with the love of Jesus Christ. His love cannot be stopped. His love is powerful. It's not just uh, little lovely tunes and little hearts floating about. This is a serious love that cost Jesus his blood being shed and that's why we treasure Jesus that he would love us so much to shed his blood so that we can live and then the the hymn writer here asks the question who his love will not remember who can cease to sing his praise he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days this love is special This Jesus whom we are worshipping is special. You can't forget this love. You can't stop singing about this love because it is so special. You can never forget throughout all of eternity this love is important. In the second verse, we're then brought to explain what happens on the Mount of Crucifixion. And on that mountain of crucifixion, as Jesus is nailed to the cross and where he suffers and dies, fountains are open, deep and wide. Remember that old chorus that we used to sing as children, deep and wide, deep and wide. And again, talking about the love of Jesus Christ and how deep and how wide it is that we cannot get over it. We cannot get around it. We cannot get under it. What wonderful love that God has given us. And through the floodgates of God's mercy, and here mercy is linked with this love, that because Jesus loves us, he shows us mercy instead of wrath. And flowed a vast and gracious tide, grace and love. So we've got mercy, we've got grace, we've got love all being linked together. And again, this theme of water throughout the hymn of rushing water. This time it's mighty rivers. 
and they have poured continually from above and heaven's peace and perfect justice. What did they do? I think this is one of the most beautiful lines in a hymn describing God's love for us. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Of course, a kiss is a sign of love. But it's here that it's not just that God kisses us with his love, but it's this idea that he comes to a guilty world. And there's nothing in this world that would cause God to love us. But yet he does love us and he comes and he brings his love to us. Now, of course, whenever we're thinking about this love and flowing uh, like water and incessant and mighty rivers and floods and vast oceans, uh, we want to look at a, a few verses from Scripture that talk about God's love. And the first one is 1 John chapter 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. So here is the love of God being shown. The love of God is displayed in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, coming into the world. But love that God shows us is displayed in our lives whenever we live through him. Love isn't displayed whenever we go off and do whatever we want, whenever we take the freedom that we've been offered and misuse it. The love of God is shown in our lives whenever we live through him, whenever we trust in him and follow him. And so we treasure Jesus because he brings us this love and then he enables us to live a full life through God. Moving on to the second verse, 1 John 4, and this time verse 10. This is love, we are told. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Again, it's not a sentimental love. It is a love that deals with the biggest issues in life. This is not just a, a fuzzy, warm feeling in our hearts. This is our sin that would otherwise destroy us and mean that we should die. This sin is dealt with through the love of God. And it's not that we love God and therefore, in response to that, he forgives us. That's the wrong way round. God loves us and therefore we're drawn to him because of that love. And then he forgives us. He sends Jesus as an atoning sacrifice. Jesus is offered as a sacrifice on the cross so that our sins can be taken away, so that God's wrath can be appeased. And then we can be at one with him, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So love that we think uh, with warm feelings is linked completely to sin and to the most horrible parts of creation. And so we come before God and we accept the love of Jesus to deal with our sin. And of course that makes us then think of John 3 and 16, for God so loved, there's that word again, the world, that he gave his one and only son. And again, that's that same theme through each one of these verses. God sent his son Jesus that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.
This time the love is not linked with sin, but it's linked with eternal life. Because God loves us, we have this opportunity to live forever, to have life in all its abundance and fullness, and to worship him and to praise him. So today, meditate a little upon God's love and Jesus' love for us. Maybe sing this song, listen to it at the link below. And remember what Jesus has done for us in loving us and then how we can take that love to other sinners and allow them to meet with Jesus as well. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love that is vast as an ocean that we cannot describe to anyone in all its fullness because your love is so deep and so wide. It is like a flood. It's like a mighty river. It's like a vast ocean. There's no end to it, Lord. And the more we explore your love and the more we think about it, the more there is to know about it. So, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your love that you have come to take away our sin and to offer us eternal life. So Lord, help us to live today with that knowledge that sins are forgiven and that we have this wonderful gift of eternity with you. Amen. Welcome to Beside the Burn for Friday the 20th of November. We reach the end of another week and all this week we've been looking together at hymns that introduce us to Jesus and help us to see the wonder and the beauty of Jesus. We're following this theme of treasuring Jesus, of holding on lightly to the things of this world so that we can hold on to what is truly important. And the hymn that we're going to be looking at today is When I Survey the wondrous cross. Yesterday we were thinking about the love that Jesus has shown for us. Here is love vast as the ocean. And today we're just going to meditate a little bit on where that love is shown in its greatest detail and splendor on the cross at Calvary. And as we survey that cross, as we look in detail at that cross, We see the love that Jesus Christ has for us and we treasure him all the more. So let's explore this great hymn together and then you can listen to it at the link below as well. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain, I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And here we have this idea that we were thinking about on Sunday of not storing up treasure on earth, but storing up treasure in heaven. My richest gain, whatever we have on this earth, we now count but loss because what we have in Jesus is of far greater worth and far greater value for us. And this is explained, I suppose, for us in Luke chapter 9, where we read, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? It's a sobering thought that many who have spent all of their lives trying to gain this world will actually lose it. And yet, the ones who have forsaken this world and given it up, holding on to it lightly, but holding on tightly to Jesus Christ, 
are the ones who will gain their lives and the ones who have most value in their lives. Next week, we're going to be thinking about being transformed rather than being conformed. So don't be conformed uh, to this world, but instead be transformed by Jesus Christ. And if we seek to gain our lives and gain things in this world, that's us being conformed to the pattern of this world. But whenever we trust in Jesus, then suddenly we are transformed and given a new life. Let's look at the second verse of the hymn. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. And again, this is looking ahead to what we're going to be doing next week. Because we're going to be thinking about how we can be a sacrifice. And here we're sacrificing the things of this world. All those things that charm us, that interest us, that we uh, carry on with. Give them over to God. Hold on to them lightly. Allow God to take them and instead hold on to him tightly. And we see this idea again of uh, not boasting in the things that we have in this world but instead boasting in Jesus Christ. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There are many who boast about their where they've been on holiday, what presents they've been bought, what things they've been able to spend their money on, but these are not the things to boast about. We boast about Jesus Christ. I've got a saviour. Wait till you hear what he has done. Wait till you see how he has changed my life. Wait till you see what happens when I talk to him and he answers prayer. Boast in Jesus Christ and in nothing else. Boast in the cross where Jesus died and took our sins upon himself and offers us forgiveness. Verse 3 then of the hymn, see from his head. Just picture this for a moment as we we look at these uh, words. And then as you listen to the hymn in a moment, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Just look at that third line there, love and sorrow meeting on the cross. What a combination, what a clash of things happening here as Jesus is dying and from his head and his hands and his feet, there's blood pouring, but it's not just blood, it is actually sorrow and love. His love is shown to us and it flows out of his body for each one of us. And love and sorrow meet together. And the thorns are composing such a rich crown for Jesus. Look at Matthew 27. They stripped him, put a scarlet robe in him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They were mocking him. They were laughing at him. They knew the claims that he had made to be king of the Jews and now they were casting it up 
to him, even though this was the moment where his reign was fulfilled, this was the moment where Jesus Christ was to take over and destroy sin completely, and yet they were mocking him, putting a crown, not just a a silly crown to mock him, but a cruel crown that dug into his head and caused him to bleed. And all because he went to that cross for us. Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. We cannot possibly ever hope to repay Jesus for what he has done for us. Were we to spend the rest of our lives trying, we could not even begin to repay him. We couldn't even pay off a percentage of it. And yet Jesus loves us. And so therefore we treasure him because he's more valuable than anything that we could offer to him. He is the most valuable person we have, the most valuable thing we have in our lives. So let us not be distracted by the things but let us be distracted by Jesus alone. Look at Revelation 5, and we finish with this verse. Revelation 5, verses 12 to 13. Here's a picture of the throne room in heaven and the worship that is taking place there. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb. Not worthy who is the Lamb who is triumphant, who is clothed in splendor, but worthy is the lamb who was slain, killed, destroyed, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then John says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Oh, let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are the lamb who was slain but now you are triumphant in your Father's presence and all of creation will worship you in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them and we will all sing together to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Oh, Lord God, may you be glorified. May you be magnified. May you be lifted on high because you are the Almighty. And today, Lord, we seek to serve you and follow you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.